0: Hey, it's you, man, from KC95 here. Good evening, and welcome to Toasted Tavern. Your host, Scott Tobin, and the man called Wags are ready to bring you the night in sports. So pull up a stool, grab a drink, and let's get toasted. Hey, good evening, and welcome into the Toasted Tavern. I am Wags, joined alongside by my good buddy, Scott Tobin. Been about a week since we got a chance to join you guys. Last week, we talked a lot about a couple of guys that might have been coming to St. Louis. One did not. The other one's still a bit up in the air. That's kind of the premise of tonight's show is really all about Major League Baseball and the upcoming trade deadline, which is coming up on Tuesday, August 2nd. But uh, Scott, how are you doing? I I think we both have about a week that we've been able to kind of relax from the Matthew Kachuk thing, but still stay excited about possibly Juan Soto and... Obviously, uh, the rain has come to St. Louis as well, and thankfully the Cardinals weren't in town to to
1: witness that and maybe have a couple games moved and canceled. Oh my gosh, man. I, I hope, as you bring that up, I hope everybody out there is safe and dry and comfortable in their homes because the rain in St. Louis has been absolutely nuts this week. I mean... You know, I didn't experience a whole lot of it on Tuesday. We were kind of on the outskirts of that. Didn't get a whole lot. I know your area around your house got hit pretty hard. Did you guys have any any, uh, flood damage or anything from that? Not at my
0: house, no, which which is nice because we've actually had a flooded basement in the last couple of years. So to be able to avoid that was really nice. We didn't have... A, a ton of issues it was more so the uh the 70 mid rivers area which got hit really really hard um i mean i know a couple of years ago when we had some big rain 70 flooded which is something i had never experienced before but it once again happened in that mid rivers area around 70 so that got hit hard but thankfully we did not and, and I, expressing the same opinion and, and thoughts as you hope everybody is safe and sound and getting things back to normal it's you know for people that have flooded out it's, it's not it's not fun
1: no, it's not. And then, you know, you get through the you get through it on Tuesday. And then, hey, wait, it happened again today. And I was downtown this afternoon, man. And, like, all of a sudden, you look up, and it's just black. And uh, I, I had some stuff to do. I was down at the ballpark uh, dealing with some stuff this afternoon and got ready to leave. And, like, downtown, it was pouring down rain. But then you, like, look to the west, and you look at 40. And, I mean, the sky was green. There was lightning everywhere. And it was like, holy crap, they're getting pounded. And so I get on 44 and start driving. And it's like, okay, I'm going to drive out of this. Well, then I get almost to Webster and I make that turn as you head towards Webster and go down the hill of 44 there. And I mean, all of a sudden, like, all of a sudden, I couldn't see like 10 feet in front of me. It was raining so hard that I literally could not see the brake lights. Everybody had their hazards on because you couldn't see brake lights. It was raining so hard and there was so much water. Cars would come down, go in the other lanes. And there was so much sitting water on 44 that it would literally come up and go over the roof of your car. It was the crazy, it was absolutely crazy. And it was like that way for a good 20 miles. And again, 40 flooded right outside of downtown. Again, today there's places on, there were places on Washington Avenue and on Delmar loop that literally had two or three feet of water in their businesses this afternoon. So again, just wishing all those people, uh, good luck and hopefully things dry out and hopefully it didn't ruin businesses ruin people's homes hope everybody's safe i know there were some people stranded in their cars again people had to rescue them (laughs) because their cars were floating and and so just a scary situation man because you and i have both done enough radio and done enough rural radio or i know i laugh every time i hear it because i had to say it so many times but turn around don't drown is a serious thing it really really is i mean there were even some reporters that got uh had to be
0: rescued uh, from this on Tuesday, so yeah, it's it's no joke. <clears throat> so anytime you you get into these situations, and we're still in, in you know in tornado season and all that stuff as well. And yes, as Midwesterners, we kind of laugh and scoff at all that kind of stuff, but it really is serious. And so if you are ever in those instances where you know you you're near flooding or you're in a tornado warning or anything like that, definitely heed the warnings as much as you possibly can because it is something that's very very serious. And something you definitely need to uh, do to to save yourself and and others as well. So make sure you heed those warnings. Please, 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 please. Okay, so we talked about that. We talked about our lives and how we're uh, kind of getting through some stuff. Uh, And now we get to turn our attention to really what's been, I guess, gripping St. Louis the last week or so really i mean it it's been kind of floated out there for the last couple weeks but it really since our show last thursday it's really taken off as far as this whole Juan Soto to St. Louis thing and we actually put up a poll on our twitter page yesterday and uh, i'll say this we got some responses <laughs> we, did. we got some responses we we ha- we heard a a major league baseball radio rumor yesterday that the Cardinals were offering Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, Juan Juan Yepes for Juan Soto. Now there's other pieces to that Patrick Corbin was going to be thrown in that as well. Maybe a minor league prospect, one of the lower end ones, not the high ones like a Walker or Mason Wynn. And we put this out there and said, hey, do you make this deal? We thought, okay, we're going to get some responses. We're going to get some votes. What have nearly 3,700 of you? came out and responded with your thoughts on this trade proposal or trade rumor that is out there. 74% of people said yes, they'd make that deal in a heartbeat, while just 25% said no. And we got some really interesting responses that we're going to go through here in just a little bit as well. But first off, Scott, the rumor seems a little light to me. With Patrick Corbin being a part of it, it, it makes a little bit more sense. You kind of talked me through that a little bit yesterday. But what are your thoughts on this rumor that we heard yesterday on MLB radio? And is it is it
1: still the leading rumor for Juan Soto and the Cardinals? Um, You know, everything, everybody you hear, everybody's got a different idea of what that package could look like. You know, um, Mike Rizzo, the Nationals GM, came out yesterday and said, you know, that Patrick Corbin probably, well, he didn't name Patrick Corbin. He just basically came out and said that they wouldn't throw a bad contract into the Soto trade because he wanted to get as much as possible if they move Soto. You know, do you believe that? Is he, Is that just him coming out and saying something for the Nationals fans so that they don't get all upset? And then at the end of the day, you say, okay, well, he makes that move with Corbin in it and says, well, that's the best deal we could get. Plus, we were able to move that dead contract. You know, it's, it's hard to, decipher GM talk this time of the year, because they're not going to tell you exactly what they're really thinking. Um, Man, you know, there, there are so many rumors and so many different things and so many different people, everybody's putting out their opinion. I've seen so many different trade proposals today with the Cardinals um, and and Soto. And the funny thing is, you know, you hear all these other teams involved, but you're not seeing trade proposal ideas for the other teams that are supposedly involved, which makes me think, you know, I mean, Again, it's all speculation and who knows, but the fact that there's not proposals being thrown out there, or what the other teams would give up, are the Cardinals truly the team that is in the driver's seat of this thing? It almost feels like
0: they are. I mean, like you said, no one else has really put anything out there. You've also got you know, the fact that one of the big suitors out there, the Yankees traded for uh, Benintendi yesterday. So that almost puts them out of the running, although officially they're still in it. But at this point, do they have the potential, you know, prospects and, and guys to move in that deal? The Padres are another big one that are in on Juan Soto. They just had some pitchers go down uh, as well the last couple of days, but there's also been rumors that they're shifting their attention to a guy like Shohei Otani, who the Angels aren't necessarily looking at moving but are listening for moving I, you know you, you can't necessarily say we're not going to move anybody but still actively listen it, it means you're shopping you're not actively shopping him but you're shopping him so you know th- do the Padres pivot to the Angels because it feels like that the Cardinals and, and Nats are going to make this deal or you know Joey Gallo is also another guy that's been linked to uh, the Padres as well so you know those two teams were, were kind of the top contenders with the Cardinals for Juan Soto, but it seems like the Yankees are out and the Padres may be, you know, pivoting to another direction. So we had a a comment come up uh, on this actual poll about it, basically saying that, you know, Washington doesn't seem to have a whole lot of leverage in this situation. And it's seemingly coming out that it might be true that they think they have a ton of leverage, but they really don't. And it makes This proposed rumor deal make a little bit more sense now because you're not trading away your top end prospects, which you really don't want to give away one, three, four, six, or what have you for a guy like Juan Soto. Yes, it hurts your team a little bit right now because Carlson's holding down center field while Harrison Bader is still out with an injury. And yes, Nolan Gorman has been powerful up here, but his batting average has dropped a little bit since he's come up. You know, Juan Yepes hasn't really even gotten a shot I don't think, in the last couple of weeks to to really prove what he is as well. So it it almost feels like if the Nationals are really just adamant about moving him, that the Cardinals actually have more leverage than the Nationals do at this point.
1: Well, you know, the leverage that the Nationals have is that they don't have to trade him. I mean, you know, they don't have to ever trade him. They can hold on to him and... For two and a half years, and then you know, see what happens when he becomes a free agent. That's not smart on their part because they have nobody in their minor league system that's ready, and their team's not very good. So, you know, I don't think they do that. And if you move him right now with two, you are not going to get more for him if you wait because right now you are going to get the most for him because you've got two and a half years. If you wait till the if you wait till the off season, then he's only got two years. If you you know, every, the longer you wait, the less you are going to get because the less controllable time he has. So from that aspect, you know, this is the time to move him because you're going to get the most for him, more than likely, although you could make the argument that if you wait till the off season, more teams may be involved and then maybe you can jack up the asking price, although I'm not sure that that's 100% true and I'm not sure how many teams, even if you go to the off season, are going to be involved because then you do have that less half of a year that you've lost of control when you're pretty sure that after two years he's going to go to free agency and you're going to have to fight that. I mean there's no guarantees, I mean, definitely no guarantees that he's going to sign with anybody before he hits free agency. And chances are he's not with Scott Boris being his agent. So, um, you know, I, th- I think the Cardinals have a pretty good shot at this. If if Mo's willing to pull the trigger, you know, that, that's the big question. Is John Moselock willing to pull the trigger, not just on Juan Soto, but on any of these guys that we've talked about, like Frankie Montez Luis Castillo? You know, there's rumors that Shane Bieber could be available in Cleveland. You know, there's rumors that Pablo Lopez could be available in Miami. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys out there all of a sudden that could be available. I mean, Yeah, the asking price is going to be absorbent for any of those guys. Astronomical probably for a couple of them. But, you know, if you want to win and you want to make a move and the Cardinals need to, you know, you're going to have to give up some of those prospects. And you can't just keep hoarding all these prospects. I mean, where are you going to play all these guys? can't have seven guys that play the same position and looking around going uh, now what do we do you know i mean you're running out of spots for guys so mo needs to make a move and you know we're gonna see you know it's gonna be interesting because we're going to washington this weekend so we're all gonna get a really good look at Juan soto for the next three days who knows maybe he's on the plane coming back to st louis on monday morning wouldn't that be a unbelievable moment for cardinal fans That would be a nice uh, parting gift, I
0: guess you would say. In that, and I kind of want to. There's two different directions that are branching out from what you just said, and I want to start first off with the fact that you're talking about prospects and where these guys are going to play and all that kind of stuff. And you've seen people just railing about, oh, you you got to keep these prospects, blah 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 blah. Well, someone put up just the other uh, earlier today, really just what the Cardinals prospect farm system was like just a few years ago when they were still ranked number one and you go through it and there's only like one or two guys that a had success at the major league level and B it wasn't even sustained success as well. So you're basically trying, you know, you're, it's a crapshoot. It's, it's a lottery ticket for these prospects. And then, on the flip side, you're getting a known quantity in a Juan Soto. It's not like he's been around for a year or two and you're like, "Uh, maybe is he? Yes, his batting average is down. He's hitting .243 this year. But you know you're getting a guy that's going to hit for power, a guy that actually walks too, okay? This guy had 145 walks last year. That's That's pretty damn good for a young power hitter. Yes, there were some intentionals in there as well. But for a guy that's Juan Soto – you're not going to see a guy get 145 walks because normally he's swinging and striking out a bunch of times as well. So you're getting a proven commodity for lottery tickets that may or may not pan out. Now I'll say this for the Cardinals prospects. The ones they have now seem to have much higher ceilings than the guys, even just four or five years ago that were down there. So it is a little bit more of a, not a sure thing, lottery ticket, but a lottery ticket that very likely is going to get you, you're going to hit maybe a hundred thousand dollar winner instead of a million dollar winner, but you're still hitting a winner in those instances. So
1: that's a piece that you have to look at as well. Yeah, you do. Um, Like you said, you know, these are definitely higher ceiling guys than we had a few years ago, but again, you're talking about Juan Soto, who is, you know, probably the best player of his generation. And we're not talking about a guy who's 30 or 31 that, You know, is kind of towards the end of his prime, and you're going to get a couple of years, and then he's going to kind of go over the hill. You're talking about a guy who's 23. You know, very seldom in the history of baseball has a guy who's been this talented become a free or been available for a trade when they're 23 years old. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Um, You know, you talk about the comps for what Juan Soto's did. You're you're talking about guys like Mike Trout. You're talking about guys like Ted Williams and Ken Griffey Jr. and Albert Pujols. I mean, you're talking about guys like that in the early years of their career that were the best. Miguel Cabrera, guys like that who were superstars when they were really young and some of the best hitters we've ever seen. So, I mean, he's a generational type player. So, I mean, you say, "Oh man, you can't give up these prospects," but you're getting back almost a prospect yourself. You kind of realize that you know Juan Soto is a year older than he's less than a year old than dylan carlson i mean he, he's only a couple of years older than walker and Wynn. you know i mean it's not like you're trading youth for a, a grizzled veteran so that's something that you have to look at that makes this a little bit different than normal um, again it just comes back to what you're gonna have to give up um you know i saw somebody put out a trade proposal today that had one of the ones i saw today i think hector gomez put it out from espn and it had dylan carlson nolan gorman Alec Burleson, Wynn, Gaspeau, some, and there was another prospect in there, and it's like that might almost be too much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you're the Cardinals that you can give up Dylan Carlson and Alec Burleson for one big reason. You have to be a little bit worried about Harrison Bader with his foot problem right now. You're not sure. You know, you get plantar fasciitis, that can be a serious problem, especially for a guy who counts on his speed to be such a huge part of his game. You know, we know Bader's now been shut down for weeks. Who knows if we're going to see Harris Bader the rest of this season. So I don't know that you can trade two of those guys, because then you look at it and you go, okay, our outfield is Tyler O'Neill and Soto and who? You know, if you move Burleson as well. I mean, if you move Carlson and you have Burleson, then you're like, okay, we can... We can bring Burleson up and we're okay. If you don't, then you're going, okay, we have Tyler O'Neill and we have Soto, but who's our third outfielder? Is it Lars Newtbar? I don't know how great you feel about that every day. Or I mean you could throw Tommy Edmund out there, I guess, if you wanted to. Or Brendan Donovan. Or, you know, here's a really fun idea. Let's have Juan Yepes play the outfield every day when he's healthy. <laughs> you know, and he's and the thing about that is you can't count on that either because he's out with a forearm strain and Has had a setback trying to throw. So, um, you know, so there's a question about when he's going to be eligible to come back. So, um, you know, it it would make your outfield pretty thin if you had to move both of those guys. So I don't know that I would go with that package. But, you know, whatever you do, if you make that trade, it is going to hurt a little bit. And then you have to look at it and go, okay, we got Juan Soto. Great. Uh, Now, who's going to go out there and pitch? Because we've got. We got Adam Wainwright and we got Miles Michaelis and then uh, we got. Uh, how's your arm, Wags? Can you uh, can you go out there every fifth day? I could probably throw an Efas pitch here or there. I
0: mean, I, I I mean I could probably get the ball over the plate. I don't know if that would be a good thing or bad, but I could get out there. But they're not signing me. I can tell you that much. And you know, the fact that they haven't brought up you know a Matthew Libertor and put him into the rotation officially or, or any of these other guys that are down the, in the farm system just shows you that it's a very interesting, interesting question and conundrum that they have as far as the pitching is concerned. And yes, Patrick Corbin's a guy that may, that gets thrown into this, but he, he's not a, an answer in any way, shape or form. I believe he's like one in five or something in his last seven starts. Didn't even get through the first inning in, against the Dodgers last night, gave up six, uh, seven runs, six of those earned. So you know, you're not going to have that. And we talked, you know, a little bit about, you know, they're still in for the Frankie Montases and and these other guys, Noah Sindergaard's a guy that has been mentioned as well. There's also, you know, other names, Rodon is a a guy that's that's put out there. You mentioned a few as well, but it's a matter of what are they looking at? Are they waiting to finalize a Soto deal before going out and getting pitching? Or are they going to say, or are they able to handle two things at once because that's going to be very, very difficult because you may have to use some of these guys in a Soto trade that may, a team may want for one of these pitchers as well. So that's another piece you have to look at as well is what's a, what's a deadline in a sense for a Soto deal. Obviously the deadline's on Tuesday, but can you wait that
1: long to finalize that and still go out and find a pitcher? Uh, I mean, you have to be, you have to, you can't just be focused on Soto. You have to be, you have to be working on, Multiple things at once to see because, like you said, you can't wait and say, Okay, we're putting all our eggs in the soda basket. And then you get to Tuesday and he goes somewhere else or he doesn't get traded. And then you're like, Oh crap, we got to pivot to a starting pitcher. Oh, wait, all oh, those guys are already gone too. Now what do we do? So you definitely have to uh, be uh, multitasking when it comes to this. Let me ask you a question What do you think about this? And I, I heard a couple of people talking about it on the radio today. You know, because everybody's saying, "Oh man, Juan Soto," but then that doesn't help you. But you can't, because you can't get pitching. Well, you could. You're not going to be able to get Montas or Castillo and Juan Soto. But what if I told you you could get Juan Soto, and you could get Noah Syndergaard, and you could get Blackburn from the A's, and that could be your, and that could be your trade deadline. You get Soto, and you get basically a three and a four. Would you be okay with that?
0: I think I would because you know Syndergaard's a guy that comes in with experience and a maturity about him. So you're almost getting not 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 a younger Lester or Hap situation, but you're getting something along those lines like they had last year, and they've shown success at being able to pull guys off the quote unquote scrap heap and make it work. But I think you're it's a little bit more high end scrap with with those two guys, but it does. It solidifies the back end. And I think that's the biggest thing is the back end of the rotation has been where things have really fallen apart and really put a lot of pressure on the bullpen. So if you can get guys that can, can solidify that 3-4, yeah, I mean, putting Wainwright and Michaelis as your 1-2 isn't ideal, but Miles Michaelis has been great this year. He really has. And I am not going to go as far as to say I trust him, but I am okay with him being our number one. And his Darkness puts out, Syndergaard, he has the upside to be a one or two as well. So if if you're able to get him in here and get him to work with Mike Maddox and get him a a part of the pageantry of the Cardinals, you might have another guy that can slide into that role if need be. And that way Wainwright can slide down to the three spot, kind of be your stopper in a sense, and then see what you got with the rest. I would be good with that because it gives your offense the pop because you put Juan Soto with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. I don't care who you're, you're facing. That's a pretty potent two, three, four, three, four, five, wherever you put them, your pitching doesn't have to be phenomenal. As long as they give up, if they give up two to three runs a game, I'm
1: good with that. Yeah. And as far as Syndergaard goes, um, he does have some upside. I mean, we're not talking about the Noah Syndergaard mm-hmm. of three or four years ago that was blowing everybody away. he, he he doesn't have the fastball that he had a few years ago. He's turned into more of a ground ball pitcher. He's throwing Ooh, more of suits four. the Cardinals, doesn't it? It does. He he's throwing more of a four seam than a two seam. He's throwing more of a sinker. Um, I think he could be a, a two or a three. I'm not sure that he's a one at this point, but I think he could be a two or a three. You know, and then if you could get Blackburn from the A's as well, you know, I mean, he's had a really good year. And you know, and those are two guys. You know, they're both basically rentals. They're both going to be free agents at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, Syndergaard is owed about seven million dollars. So I think if you went to the Angels and gave them a lower level prospect and took most of that paycheck, on I don't think I don't think it's going to cost you a whole lot as far as prospects. The same thing with the A's because Oakland's not anywhere close to being ready to compete for anything. So I think if you gave them a couple of your you know maybe a 25th or 26th ranked prospect, something along those lines for a guy who they're not going to bring back next year anyway. Um, I think you could probably pull that off and it doesn't really kill you if you make the Soto trade. And then, you know, I think you're in pretty good shape, honestly, because then you can move guys back to the bullpen who don't need to be in your starting rotation. And all of a sudden things starting to become, the bullpen becomes a strength again. Your rotation is at least solid. You know, hopefully Dakota Hudson bounces back. You know, he's going to pitch tomorrow. Hopefully we see some signs from him. And, you know, a lot of people scoff when you say this, but the biggest thing that might fix this rotation in a lot of ways is a guy who's coming back on Tuesday. And he doesn't pitch, but he he wears number four, and he's a pretty big impact behind the plate. And if you don't believe that, you know, Darren runs almost – is a half a run, almost three-fourths of a run better when Yachty's pitching than it is when he's not. I mean, he makes a huge difference. And imagine, you know, him working with a guy like Noah Syndergaard or one of these guys that you're trying to bring back, trying to kind of resurrect. I know Syndergaard's kind of resurrected on his own, but put him with Yachty and see what happens. You know, I mean, I've even made the case that, you know, who knows what happens if Patrick Corbin would be part of that trade and you put him with Yachty. You know, remember when everybody threw a fit when we brought in Jay Happ and John Lester last year? And what did they do? Go nine and three down the stretch and you don't make the postseason without them? Um, so, you know, Yachty makes a huge difference and he's going to help some of those young guys in the bullpen as well. And he he's a calming influence on this team. You know, he just is. So that's going to make a huge difference as well. And, you know, I mean, if you make a couple of those moves, it's this team could really make a run. I know a lot of people laugh at that right now and say they're not good enough, but a couple of moves and you are right back in there the other way. Okay. Let's, let's flip real quick. So we talked about if you get Soto, you go cheap on pitching. If you Mm -hmm. don't get one Soto, then you have to turn around and say, okay, we have to go get a Frankie Montas. We have to go get a Luis Castillo. We have to go get a Shane Bieber. You need to go get one of those guys. And then you have to, and then you have to, look at a bat again. Maybe that at that point, you look at a guy like Trey Mancini in Baltimore. One of those guys that you can bring in and can be a bat. And I see that Yachty got pulled in his rehab assignment tonight. Hopefully that's just a precautionary thing and nothing else. Uh, that would be a huge blow to the Cardinals. We can't have guys making rehab assignments and getting hurt immediately. I love Steven Max running through a foul ball, a slow roller down the first baseline, like a maniac for some reason the other night. And, uh, that that was that was rough to watch, but uh, I digress. Back to the Cardinals trade deadline. You know, you've got to you've got to make a big impact move one way or the other, whether it's Soto or whether you go get one of those starting pitchers. And either way, you really need to get two pitchers. Whether you go, whether you go high end with one and then like a center guard on the other end and a small bat, or if you go Soto and then the two other bats. Either way.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, you have to make a big impact, and people continuously forget, and, and I do as well because, I mean, you're a Cardinal fan. You're a Blues fan. We all know, you know, just disappointment. It's, it runs in our in our blood hell. We're Mizzou fans, and you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. So, I mean, like there's so much just negativity that runs through our, our, our veins when it comes to sports that we forget we're still within a handful of games with the Brewers in the first place. Uh, Paul Goldsmith's having an MVP quality season. Nolan Arenado has really kind of solidified himself and settled in here. You, you've got a guy like Dylan Carlson who, if he doesn't get moved, is going to be great. This has been great this year. He's really, you know, upped his game here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think in his last 15 games, he's hitting somewhere north of 350. So you know, he's he's done that. You've been without Yachty for for a couple of weeks now, and, and it's a guy that, yes, it's at the end of his career, essentially, and you're not sure how much you're going to get from him down the stretch, but it's still him, Wainwright, and Albert, so something special is going to happen as the year goes on. Albert's starting to heat up a little bit as well. So, like, all of this negativity that we feel and that we're like, oh, doom and gloom if we don't get this, they really are right there in it. And if you do make some sort of significant move, it does put them up there in the top of the, maybe the top four teams in in all of the national league. Cause it's not like the Dodgers are running away with things. It's not like the Padres are running away with things, the Mets, the Braves. I mean, nobody's really running away with anything in the national league right now. And if you pull a move to bring in a Juan Soto or you flip it around, you go out there and you get a couple of high end pitchers and then you do get a bat all of a sudden they are right there. Yes. You still have to play the games, but it does signify that this team is willing to make that move because, you know, as we saw in a couple of these responses to the tweets, uh, you know, with Soto, something. Sorry, could you say that again? No, My I can't. Apologies. I can't say that again. I apologize, Siri. Um, you know, just these are some of the responses to the to the poll we ran. But, you know, nope, you have to sign Soto to a massive extension, which we all know the front office will never do. Soto can't pitch. Corbin's awful. Uh, obviously, that's in there as well. Cards are too cheap to sign Soto. So you've got these things that people are, are saying that kind of are true in a sense, but if they do make this move, it'll signify to me that this team really is moving in that direction. You know, build it with the third even came out a couple weeks ago and said that they are very likely going to make some sort of big move and spend some money. So we haven't seen it yet, but everything is pointing to them doing it. Now they just have to do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, and there, there's no reason not to do it. You know, Michelle Spalman on 101, I'm, I'm going to steal her line. She's been saying this for a couple of weeks now. If not now, when? Yeah. You know, like you said, you've got Goldie having an MVP season. Nolan's having a year where he could be in the MVP conversation. Yadi, Wayno, Yadi, Albert, you know, last year, last run. You know, you've got guys like Carlson and Tyler O'Neill and all these guys. You know, if you're not going to make that move now to solidify this team and make the postseason run. When are you going to do it? Are you going to do it next year when you've got a rookie catcher and you don't have Wainwright and you don't have Albert and you don't have. I mean, this is the year that you really need to go all in and try, and try to win. You know, and I saw that one of the messages you put up was a note to Soto and it said a one year rental. Well, that's not the case because it's two and a half years if you get him at least. And there's no guarantees that he won't come here and play and love it and decide that he wants to stay. You know, and maybe the Cardinals do throw that money at him because. You know, people say, oh, they won't do it. But at that point, he's going to be 26. It's not like he's 30 year old Albert Pujols or, you know, 33 year old Matt Holiday at the end of his career when they let him walk or, you know, Matt Carpenter when we threw $50 million at him when he was 34 and over the hill. Um, this would be a totally different situation. So I think he would be one of those guys where you do say, okay, you know, I don't see them giving him 14 or 15 years. I would not do that at that point. But I think you could say, okay, we'll give you eight or nine years at, you know, $45 million and let's see what happens. You know, and, you know, I think the Cardinals would be players at that point. And if they're not, here's the other thing. You know, you have him for this postseason run. You have him for next year. If you get to that third year and you get to the all-star break and you just know that there's no way you're going to sign him, guess what? You can trade him. him. And you're still going to get a ton for him, even for a half a year rental. And you're, you'd still be able to recut, you know, receive some of the the uh, prospects that you lost in the trade to get him. So, I mean, there are a lot of ways to look at this.
0: And and the big thing, Goldie's deal ends right around the time Soto's does. So, you know, any money that you would you know put towards a Goldie extension, you could use for Soto as well. That's a, a really really good point. And you talk about. Uh, you coming here and you know, experiencing it. You saw the interaction he had with the, uh, Albert Pujols at the home run Derby. You know, that he has had conversations, I'm sure with Yadier Molina. And, and that's, it's just a tight knit group that if you brought him here and gotten him into that clubhouse and yes, you know, Scott Boris is his agent. Once again, that is out there, but, having those relationships and having those ambassadors as well. And then coming into the sea of red, I mean, he's not going to really be changing much, but a shade or two in in the red category. So he's going to get to experience the Cardinal crowd as well. It's another piece that might sway him in that aspect as well. And like you said, you have two and a half years. You've got at least two playoff runs, if not three. If you can go out there and win a championship or two in those, in those years, a, I call that a win. B, it gives him that, holy cow, we can win here, and what an experience a World Series parade here is in St. Louis. That might be another piece that adds to it as well. So there's, there's a whole lot that can go right for Juan Soto here in St. Louis. And I, I think, really, Kyle Eden says it all. To his answer to that poll question, yes is in blue, and yellow is yes, but in yellow. That's all you really need to know <laughs> about... How people feel about Juan Soto potentially coming to the Cardinals—that that's really all you need to know. And I, I kind of also want to bring up a, a couple of things you talked about. What if it doesn't happen? All right, uh, our friend Blues fan reacts. If the Soto deal doesn't happen, what about a pitter, pitcher-hitter package like Dylan Cease and Lurie Garcia? They both have tremendous years, but both are a little overlooked. As you know, the Sox have been bad this year. You know, are, are, could you look at some sort of pitcher-hitter combination? from a team that solves some of that without having to spend a ton of money and a ton of prospects.
1: Yeah, you could, you definitely could. I mean, you look around, there are going to be some things that you could look at. That would be a possibility that you could definitely look at, you know, same thing. We talked about Trey Mancini in Baltimore. You know, you could look at Mancini and a couple of Jordan Lyles, a couple of the pitchers in Baltimore that are available. That could possibly be a package you could look at, you know uh, you could look at Oakland. There's been talk about, montage and maybe their catcher being a possibility as a combination so there are different places that you could look and see um so yeah i mean there there are a lot of things out there and there's gonna be a lot more rumors and it, it's gonna be really interesting to see what they do they they just have to do something john mozalak cannot sit on his hands this trade deadline and not do anything because there's just no excuse for it at this point you know you have to you have to make a run. It's been too many years since you've made that big move at the trade deadline.
0: Yeah, you really have. And another piece of that puzzle is the fact that Paul DeYoung is being essentially called up. Darkness is a bit surprised he's being called up it means either Sosa or Gorman is gone. And uh, there's, there's a couple of different pieces that go along with that. Paul DeYoung is being called up to the taxi squad for this right. series against Washington, which for all intents and purposes will mean he's on the big league club here very, very shortly. And yes, Gorman is drawing interest in the Juan Soto trade. So there is that possible reason why Paul DeYoung's being called up. But the other reason is, is Edmundo Sosa is getting a little bit of traction in trade talk as well, which is a bit surprising. Derek Gould reported today that an AL West team is showing interest in Edmundo Sosa, who hasn't had a great year this year. And I I, I, I hear AL West and I go, OK, well, maybe that's Oakland. Maybe they are wanting a cost controlled young player that can come in and play a, a, a position why not the Texas Rangers too? Matt Matt Carpenter was there. Maybe he passed along some good news or some good notes to them, and they're looking at somebody that can come into that spot as well. But, you know, what are your thoughts on on an Edmundo Sosa trade? Because that kind of came out of the the blue today. I I didn't even
1: know his name was even being considered, and all of a sudden an AOS team has interest. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that too. I mean, I know that he doesn't have any minor league options left. so you know it's basically trading him or le- or losing him if you don't want to uh keep him on the roster and he's been pretty awful um yeah the rangers are possible although you know they did go get a couple of shortstops in free agency and spent a lot of money there so i mean oakland would make some sense you know he's a young player that uh would be cost controlled and you know it's oakland can- so <laughs> yeah he can grow and learn and you know who knows you know, I think the thing about Sosa, everybody was so excited about him last year because he did do some good things. But I think there was a lot you should have realized when John like basically said, yep, this is pretty much the peak of Inbundo Sosa. This is not going to see anything better than what we're seeing right now. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's, and he, he can be exciting. You know, he can. He can. We saw him have a couple of triples in back-to-back games. But then we, he can make some really good plays. And then you can see him make some really boneheaded plays at shortstop. And miss balls and throw balls away. And and he's striking out at an absorbent rate this year. You talk about Paul DeYoung's strikeout rate. Sosa's is higher than DeYoung's was. And, I mean, you watch him and he's up there just swinging from his heels at everything. So, um you know, if you could get something for him, I don't know that you're going to be able to get a whole lot for him. Maybe you could get a bullpen piece, although that's even questionable. It's probably like a low level minor leaguer that you're going to get in return for him. But it would clear a roster spot, and you know, you got to, at some point you got to see what Paul DeYoung can do. I mean, you really do because you've got him under contract for a couple more years, and you're paying him a bunch of money, and he's torn the cover off the ball in Memphis. I know it's Memphis. But, you know, you look what he's done the last couple of weeks and he's hitting in a really high – clip. I think his batting average is like 350 over the last two and a half, three weeks. And he's hit a ton of home runs. He's up to like 18 now in the minor leagues. So, I mean, you know, even if you bring him up and you put him on the bench and he plays every other day and he gives you that pop off the bench, I think he could be a contributor. I think he could help this team down the stretch. And who knows? Maybe Maybe he figures something out down there and you bring him up and he goes on a tear and You know, especially if you are going to move a Gorman, you know, Mm -hmm. then you put him back at shortstop and you put Tommy Edmund at second and, you know, Donovan can play the outfield if he has to or whatever. Um, It is an answer. So we'll just see. I think something has to happen with Paul DeYoung in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, maybe Paul DeYoung gets traded. I don't really think so because Mm -hmm. I don't think his trade value, even though he's torn it up in Memphis, I don't think he's got a whole lot of trade value right now until he shows that he can do it up here.
0: Yeah, I think you're right and you know, he was hitting well under 200 when the Cardinals sent him down to Memphis. First week or so at Memphis wasn't all that great, but in his time down there he slashed a .249 313, 552. He's hit 17 home runs and driven in 54. So, like you said, it is Memphis, but still, if you produce at Memphis, that means you have opportunities to produce at the major league level as well. So, uh, I think you're right on the on the head there. He's going to be a part of this team in the next week or so. Whether it's because some guys have been traded or it's just that part where hey, it's time to bring them up and see what we got to see what we can use for the stretch run as well. So uh, Paul DeYoung is going to be a part of this team here in the next week or so. And you know, going back to your point about the trade deadline, about what Mosely has to do. Blues fan reacts is right on. Mo owes it to Yadi and Weno and and really Albert too. A really really good shot at a final farewell. If he does nothing this deadline, it's almost a slap in the face. And he also writes, you might as well, right? Uh, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, you brought these guys back. Well, okay, I'll backtrack just a touch because I'm not in the head of John Moselak or, or the Cardinals uh, you know, ownership or anything like that. Me as a fan looks at it and go, okay, the Cardinals brought back these three guys for a final farewell, a chance to go for a championship and to win one more time. Maybe they brought him back in just to sell some tickets. I don't think that's the full mindset of the, uh, of the Cardinals organization. It's there, obviously. But I feel like, yes, they brought these guys for one final hurrah. And if you don't go out and find a way to make this team better to get them to that point, it is. It's, a, it's 100% a slap in the face because you're just basically trying to print money.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, Yachty wouldn't have come back. Albert wouldn't have come back here if they didn't want to at least try to win one more time. Yeah. You can say, oh, they wanted the the hoopla and whatever and the money. But, no, those guys are competitive. They've made all their money. They've gotten all the hoopla and all that stuff. You know, it was about a chance to win one last time in St. Louis, you know, when they looked around and saw Goldschmidt and Arenado, And, you know, and I th- I think I think they do have that shot. And then, you know, when you hear Nolan come out last week and say, okay, You know, we need to make a move at the deadline. We need need to do something to make this team just a little bit better to push it over the edge because we've got the talent here, but I don't want to be in the wild card series. I want to have a shot to win the division. I want to have a shot to go far in the postseason. And, you know, I think he used the media to send a message to John Mosaylock at that point that, hey, you know, and I don't think he'll do it, but you got to remember that there is that opt-out there that if he's not happy, if he doesn't feel like – This team is going to try to win. He could leave. I mean, like I said, I don't think he'll do that. I think he's happy here, and I think he wants to be here. But if you feel like ownership and your general manager aren't going to give you the tools you need to make this team a championship team, then maybe he does go, hey, you know what? The Dodgers probably could use a third baseman. I'm from L.A. (laughs) You know, because Justin Turner is getting older. I mean, Hell, I know the Padres have kinds of infielders, but you know they love to make another big splash. They're just going to spend like eight hundred million dollars on their on their payroll, and it's it's crazy, man. But um, yeah, I think the Cardinals really do need to do something this year to just just prove to the players to show those guys, hey, we are doing everything we can to help you guys win and make this a special season. Well,
0: I, and, yeah, having having your one of your star players come out and say, hey, I'm sick of being a wild card team. It's it's a good push in that direction. Probably not the greatest timing on his parts because he said that I think on Saturday, and then him and Goldie were out in the two games in Toronto to do the vaccination. That was a whole uproar and, and hoopla, and people are. I mean, the fact that all of this came into sports and all that. That was. Uh, I pretty much stayed off of Twitter. I think uh, on on Monday and Tuesday, just because really didn't want to hear about any of that crap that was going on when it comes to, you know, vaccination statuses and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I don't want to do dive too deep into this because it's a very, very touchy subject with a lot of people. But uh, that really that struck a nerve uh, with a lot of fans on both sides,
1: really. Yeah, it did. You know, and. You know, you saw a lot of people going, "Oh man, this is going to cause a divide in the team. They're going to lose, lose the clubhouse." Blah blah blah. The other guys knew this was going to happen. They all knew who was vaccinated. They understood. You know, it it's not an issue. it, it is their choice. I know people get upset because oh, they get paid money. That's your job. Well, guess what? They didn't get paid for those two days. That was a decision that they made that they thought was best for them and their families and. It is what it is. And hopefully, we don't have to play the Blue Jays in the postseason and don't have them in the World Series. Let's cross our fingers that that doesn't happen. But, um, you know, other than that, you know, it happened and you move past it. I think, and I know people were upset on Sunday and Monday, but I think the fact that you split that series yeah. and you won last night and Albert had the big game and Wayno pitched the way Wayno can pitch, I think that took a lot of the fan hostility away. And I think people went, oh, okay, we split that series, which is probably what you would have done even if you would have had Goldie and Arnado, because, you know, neither one of them or Jordan Hicks out there walking people and loading bases and all of that stuff. Uh, That's another story that we can get into. But, yeah, you know, um, it is what it is. It was their choice, and everybody just needs to move on and deal with it,
0: basically. Yeah, they'll get get standing ovations when they come back, and they'll – have fans cheering for him when they hit home runs. It's, you know, it's going to be a story that gets lost here in about, well, in about two days when Juan Soto traded to the Cardinals, we'll just leave it at that. So, uh, let's keep it a little bit. Well, okay. Before we move on to a couple of other pieces that we've kind of already discussed, but I want to hit back on, you brought up Trey Mancini a little while ago. And before we came on, I was scrolling through Twitter and he had a little bit of a Matt holiday moment today in Baltimore, uh, as you guys, as Cardinals fans know, Matt Holiday lasted bat as a Cardinal, hit the home run, tears flowing, everything was going crazy. Well, today, Trey Mancini had that moment as well. Potential final at bat as an Oriole in Baltimore. Hits an inside the park home run. Hits off the head of the outfielder, rolls into the corner. Dude's just chugging. I mean, you, you gets, he gets to the end and you're just like, oh, please, please. The catcher has the ball in his hand. And I almost, when I was watching, I almost felt like the catcher was like, I can tag him, but I don't want to. Because he ended up tagging like the near side of the plate before reaching over to try and tag him. It was a little weird at the end there. But Mancini in his final at bat and inside the park home run, I asked you before the show, was that something that's a little bit more amazing than what
1: Matt Holiday did? Because Holiday just had to trot around the bases. Mancini had to book it. He did. He did. Still a special moment because Trey Mancini has been a huge player for the Orioles. You know, he was kind of the face of that franchise, the only good player they had for a while. And then the health issues that he had to deal with and the fact that he was able to bounce back and is even playing Major League Baseball right now is a is a big deal. And so for him to go out in Baltimore like that, if it is his last at bat, you know, that was a special moment that he won't forget. And I'm sure Orioles fans that were there won't forget. That's very, very true. Okay, quickly,
0: uh, I want to talk about somebody that we brought up uh, that the Padres were kind of keying in on a little bit, Shohei Otani. Okay, the Angels aren't necessarily shopping him, but they're listening on offers for him. And that was really intriguing to me because he's a guy that's uh, pitching and hitting for them. He's one of their top players. Obviously, you can get a lot for him. Mike Trout has been injured at a new, you know, revelation and his injury came up and it makes you sit there and go okay are are they opening up to trading Otani because they feel like Trout's not going to be around and they really need to start looking at potentially rebuilding I mean where did all this kind of come from and is it possible you see a Shohei Otani deal maybe not at this
1: deadline but maybe in the offseason oh I think it's possible I it wouldn't 100% shock me if it happened at the trade deadline, because if there's a team that's going to throw every prospect they have at somebody to make a trade, it will be the San Diego Padres. I mean, we've seen them do it a bunch of times the last few years. It hasn't really worked out for them, but they keep doing it. Oh, (laughs) you know, yeah. And, I mean, if you're in the Angels, I mean, you have to look at it and go, okay, maybe we need to move Otani with what we've learned now in the last couple of days of Mike Trout they very possibly wasted one of the greatest players of the last decades careers. Because when you start talking about a chronic back thing, that's a rare, a rare issue that you're going to have to deal with and really watch the rest of his career. I mean, that doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound like Mike Trout, you know, and we know from things we saw with Matt holiday and Matt Carpenter, what back injuries can do to players, especially with their power, you know, and if Mike Trout's not able to steal and slide and run and, swing freely he's not the same player so if you're the angels yeah i think you have to start thinking okay we've spent all this money and brought all these guys in and it hasn't worked our biggest chip is shohei otani and without especially without Mike Trout, we have no chance of winning anytime in the near future so maybe we do need to move otani and see what we can get before he gets to free agency and he leaves us So, yeah, I think it's very possible. And like I said, I think the Padres may be the team that does it. I was reading today, did you see Mike Clevenger and like every pitcher that they have are all going to be free agents at the same time? (laughs) All these high-end pitchers, I think Clevenger and Darvish and somebody else, and they're talking about trading Blake Snell now at the trade deadline. I mean, it's like how many pitchers have they gone out and gotten in the last two years? And none of them have worked out. And now they're like, oh, they're all going to be free agents. Let's go spend a bunch more minor leaguers on Shohei Ohtani and see if we can bring him in. And then, as we've seen with Padres and their trade acquisitions, they'll go get Ohtani, give up 12 prospects, he'll pitch one inning and, like, blow out his arm. Pretty much. I mean, even
0: Shamanaya hasn't been great for them this year as well. He's no. struggled. So, yeah, they're, they're. if you're a pitcher, you almost don't want to get traded to San Diego. Even if you want to go for the nice weather and all that and all that jazz, it's it almost seems like it's a pitcher's graveyard in a sense. You know, they just go there to, to get injured. And, well, I mean, actually, maybe you do want to go there, you know, get a minor injury, collect a whole a whole lot of money without actually having to do anything. I'm going to start warming up and seeing if maybe the Padres want to sign me. I, I could I could deal with a, a little bit of a shoulder injury with a couple million dollars sitting in San Diego. Well, I mean, think about that for a minute.
1: I mean, Clevenger, we get him. He gets hurt. Sure. Blake Snell, we get him. He's not been good for two years. Hugh Darvish, we get him. He really hasn't been very good for two years and been hurt a couple times. Sean Benio, we get him, and now he's hurt. He was solid for a while. Now he's hurt. I mean, it's just just unbelievable. We spend all that money on Fernando Tatis. We signed him to that monster contract, and he's been hurt 60% of the time since we did it. I mean, nothing that they've done has worked. And it's not the first time we did it. Remember the year? Remember what was that four or five years ago that they traded everybody and went out and got the Upton brothers and they got who, who else did they bring in? They brought in a closer and they brought in just like eight or nine players. And by the trade deadline, they were trading them all because it mm-hmm. all fell apart.
0: Well, and uh, even, even back in the day when they, you know, the, the year that they played the Yankees in the world series, it, it was like one of those, it came together and then it, it flew apart as as quickly as it came together. And they've done that a couple of different times over the last 20 years, in a sense, where they've tried to build a dynasty or build a super team, in a sense, and just as quickly broken it down. I mean, they were were looking to try and be the Marlins, but not the right direction that the Marlins were going. It, It almost seemed like they got guys on the other end versus where the Marlins were getting them on the front end. And it just never seemed to work for the Padres. I mean, I I felt bad for Padre fans because they seemed to always play us in the playoffs each year. And even when they had a great team, the Cardinals found a way to to beat them. I mean, granted, the last series they had with them, they did eventually kind of get over the hump and, and beat them. But still, I mean, you got a team that maybe didn't even deserve to be there and took them to the bitter end in a sense. So... You know, you almost feel for the Padres fans that, you know, even when they try to do
1: better, there's some sort of curse on them. Yeah. Well, just think about that 2006 Padres team. You know, the Cardinals went in there and everybody laughed. Oh, this series yeah. is over. The Padres sweep this. Cardinals are done. The Cardinals swept them. You know, the Cardinals took them out in 05 as well. They took them out in 96. I mean, yeah, the Card- Cardinals definitely had the Padres number quite a few times in the postseason, so... You know, you feel bad for the Padres. They want to be the Dodgers. They want to spend money and compete with LA, and it just seems like every move they make blows up in their face. Although Manny Machado has worked out pretty well yes. for them yeah. to this point, but you know nothing else really has. I mean, the Eric Hosmer deal hasn't been great. Um, Will Myers hasn't been as good as they thought he was going to be. You know, it it just has not worked out for them, and it's like we said, it seems like they're willing to do it again because they're they're Definitely talked about Hiley and Otani chase. are also rumors that they're in on Soto. So we'll see if they make another huge splash, but uh, you know, sometimes spending all those money and all that money and just compiling superstars doesn't make a team and doesn't guarantee that you're going to win.
0: That is very, very true. Well, the trade deadline coming up on Tuesday, August 2nd, six o'clock Eastern, five o'clock central. Uh, So a mid afternoon, early evening deadline, which I think we talked a little bit about this last year. It just doesn't feel right when it comes to major league baseball. I remember back in my middle school and high school days, literally staying up till midnight for the trade right. deadline,
1: just yep. watching
0: ESPN. I mean, it, it just doesn't have the same feel for some reason.
1: No, it doesn't. That, that that was always high drama when you were up till midnight, watching the, watching the minutes tick away, but uh, it's not the same. This year will be interesting though, because the Cardinals will be home. They'll be starting the, uh, home series, home stand next Tuesday against the Cubs, and then we'll see the Yankees and Matt Carpenter. and That's going to be an interesting few days with the Cubs and the Yankees rolling into town. There'll be some rowdy crowds and some big crowds at Busch Stadium. And just in time for the Cardinals to get home next week, they get home on Tuesday. On Wednesday, it's supposed to be 97 degrees with a heat index of like 105. So the Cardinals come home, the warm temperatures come back. Welcome to St. Louis, Juan Soto. It's going to be fucking hot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll feel like it does in the Dominican Republic. You'll think he's at home. <laughs>
0: Cardinals bring home Juan Soto on Sunday evening after playing the Nationals, and then he gets to be unveiled Tuesday night against the Cubs at home. I mean, how could you not have a picture-perfect scenario for, for, like, welcoming a guy to your town at home, first appearance, against the rival.
1: I mean, that, that... That's a storybook start right there. Yeah, it'll be. It would be pretty cool. Definitely, it definitely would. Let's just hope that. Let's hope that it's Juan Soto or somebody that gets unveiled on Tuesday because if they come home and John Mozalek does nothing or like the only making move makes move he makes is like one of the cheaper, low end pitchers, and just okay, we got one of those guys. Fans will not be happy. Uh, no, they will not, and they will definitely, definitely let him know. Well, uh, Blues fans
0: also had uh, a bit of negativity pop up last week. We talked last Thursday about Matthew Kachuk and the, and the drama surrounding him. Well, the next day, he ends up getting traded to the Florida Panthers for uh, a collection of players, Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwint, and a lottery-protected first-round pick in 2025. And then he signs an eight-year, $76 million contract, broke Blues fans' hearts, all that stuff. People cried over the weekend. It was it was sad for sure. But we don't talk about this too long because it's been talked to to death in a sense. But the Blues were never going to match that kind of deal for Matt Chuck. So you know you got a 115 point player, a, a top pairing defenseman, and, and a young prospect and a, and a first round pick. Blues weren't able going to be able to match that. And Calgary is is sitting on a precipice of either. Really winning this trade or really losing this trade? Because both Huberto and Uyghur are unrestricted free agents after this year. So you have the potential of losing a career best 115 point player and a top end defenseman after just one year. Granted, there's a couple options you can go, a couple directions. You can resign both of them, which if they do that, 100%, I think they win the trade because it sets their, their franchise up for sustained success longer. Two you trade one or both of them at the deadline and get a, rec- a recoup some of the stuff that you ended up losing or C, they absolutely 100% lose the trade by letting both of these guys walk at the end of the year and not making the playoffs which is a very distinct possibility um i just look at it and i go okay the blues never would have matched that that deal but did calgary do the best that they possibly could for a Matthew Kachuk, or was it just a matter of them wanting to make sure he was not in the Western Conference?
1: I think that was part of it. I think they didn't want him in the Western Conference. I think, like you said, you had the chance to get a guy who had 116 points and a good defenseman out of the deal. You know, I think that was, I think they looked at it and said, okay, these are the two best players we're going to possibly get out of this deal. We're not going to have to play you, but a couple of times a year, we're not going to be in the same conference. And like you said, the Blues were not gonna match that, especially since apparently Doug Armstrong had no interest in including Jordan Cairo in that trade, which you know, we all thought was the thing that had to happen for that trade to work. Um, so yeah, I mean I, th- I think Calgary did the best they could. Um, you know, Matthew Kuchuk put Florida as one of the teams that he was willing to go to. You know, you can't blame him. You know, good for him. He got to go to South Beach and be a 24-year-old kid making $80 million living on South Beach. I mean, doesn't get a whole lot better than that. No, uh, no state income tax, too. No so, state I mean, income tax. That's a big thing as well. And then, you know, I mean, if you're Matthew Kachuk, you're probably looking around going, okay, it would be awesome to go home and play in St. Louis. You know, I've dreamed about playing for the Blues since I was a little kid, since I threw that jersey on and skated around with my dad. But then he probably also looked around and saw how crazy – Everything was in St. Louis just with the thought of him coming here and realized all those distractions, all the people calling him every day, wanting tickets and all the people wanting interviews and all the people, you know, there would just be so much that came along with it. He wouldn't be able to go anywhere in St. Louis. You know, people would be people would be following people would be watching him. You know, I mean, literally, just like David Freeze was when, you know, at the end of his career after 2011. You know, he he didn't have any peace to himself. And I think that's probably part of it. I think he probably saw all of that. His dad probably talked to him about that a little bit. And so, you know, it was the best deal he could. The thing that I don't understand is the people that are just attacking Matthew Kachuk, like, oh, screw Kachuk. We hate that guy. He didn't want to come to St. Louis. You know, he he turned his back on his home. He didn't have any control over where Calgary traded him. You know, I mean, he didn't say, hey, I'm not going to St. Louis. We all know that he would have loved to come here. But, you know, Calgary did what was best for them. It's not like Kachuk was like, screw St. Louis, I'm not going home. You know, I mean, so the the fan venom towards him and towards his family, I even saw somebody attacking his dad, you know. Boo, keep Kachuk from now on, I hate that guy because – you know, his family turned their back on St. Louis. They're from Boston anyway, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, dude, calm down. You know, why would anybody want to come play here if you're if that's your response?
0: Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree. I mean, uh, every, all the conversations that I saw, you know, Robert Thomas was trying to recruit him. He had other guys that were, you know, talking about him playing here. And it, it never came out that he was like, I didn't want to play here. You know, he he. the conversations were, hey, yeah, it would have been a lot of fun, but it just didn't work out that way. And he did not have control of where he was going to go. Calgary had to get the best deal that they possibly could. And honestly, he did Calgary a complete solid by saying he wasn't going to sign an extension because it it told them, hey, I'm not going to be here longer. So might as well trade me. He didn't outright say trade me. But what he did was said, I'm not signing an extension, which made Calgary go, okay, we're not going to have to wait to the deadline and see if he's going to be here. We're not going to wait an entire year and lose him for nothing. They were able to go out and get stuff and prepare themselves for a full season with the trade that they made for, you know, with Matthew Kachuk. So you got to give him credit there. And yeah, to the fans that say he betrayed St. Louis or anything like that come on, man, it, it get over it. You know, this team is going to be fine. Yes, Doug Armstrong definitely has to make a few moves because we don't know the Tarasenko situation, and obviously there's a, there's too many defensemen on this team that make a lot of money. So a deal or two still has to be made, and there's still plenty of time to do it. If you're going to put any vitriol at anybody, even you don't even necessarily put it at Doug Armstrong because – yeah, he kind of put himself in this position, but he's also done well to maneuver himself out of this as well. So I'm still giving him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, although it's starting to creep a little bit more towards the John Moselock territory of maybe not necessarily making a move that he should have made. There, there's still some – they're getting closer. I'll
1: just put it that way. They're getting much, much closer. Yeah, and I think a lot of fans are, are upset and frustrated because there's a lot of fans that are still upset about David Perron. <laughs> You know, and a lot of people said, okay, well, you're gonna be upset about David Perron, but wait till Matthew Kachuk gets here and then you'll forget all about it. And you know, then that didn't happen either. It was like it was like, oh, for sure David Perron's coming back. No doubt or David Perron's coming back. Oh wait, David Perron's not coming back. We never made an offer. Matthew Kachuk's gonna be a blue. No doubt about it. That trade's gonna get done. Matthew Kachuk's coming back to St. Louis. Oh wait. No, didn't really make a competitive offer there. Um, so, you know, I mean, I can see where blue spans feel a little bit disappointed and a little bit lied to, I mean, in, in some sense, because, you know, you were kind of sold a bill of goods that, okay, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And it didn't. And then you look around and go, okay, that didn't happen. What's our counter move to that? Oh, wait, we don't really want. So like you said, the off not over. Maybe he, army comes up with something. I don't really know how he does it right now, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we we will see what happens. Like I said, still
0: plenty of time to to have some something happen, and we'll definitely keep our ears to the ground on that. Uh, a couple other notes before we get out of here, uh, real quickly: DK Metcalf sounds an extension with the Seattle Seahawks, three years, seventy-two million dollars. Uh, he was participating in a hold-in, where he was at practice but not actually practicing. A couple of days of that, the team was able to work out uh, an extension with him. The dude's got twenty-nine touchdowns in three years. He's he's a bit of a beast. And Seattle did right by only limiting it to three years, with the wear and tear on his body, and the way wide receivers kind of are interchangeable. I think it's a great deal for Seattle, and it's also a good deal for for Metcalf as well, because he gets some security fifty eight point two million dollars guaranteed. He gets a chance to make the big bucks and still have the ability to make more a little bit longer down the line if he continues to be productive. I think it was a I think it's a really really good move for Seattle, but who's
1: going to throw to him? That is the question. Uh, Drew Locke, baby, all day long. Look out. Uh, That's pretty much your only option at this point. Uh, You know, a lot of money. You know, Metcalf has been good, but he got a lot of guaranteed money. It'll be interesting to see if he can put up the kind of numbers to justify that with with Drew Locke or whoever's throwing the ball to him. What's going to be really interesting now is to see what Demo Samuel gets because – he, he was held out of training camp as his agents and the team apparently are working on an extension. So, you know, he's looking at what Metcalf just got and is going, OK, that's good. I want more. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It's crazy, man. Some of these signing bonuses that some of these guys are getting. In the nfl and just just the salaries just the way they've exploded at quarterback and wide receiver the last couple of years in the league is it's kind of nuts
0: it's insane it, it really it really really is you know you see what Tyreek Hill got down in miami and just the fact that you're seeing some of these highly productive wide receivers changing teams so frequently as well because you know franchises are seeing younger players that can do the same things for cheaper and They are being productive. I mean, you look at what Jamar Chase did over there in Cincinnati. I mean, just it it is interesting to see how, once again, the game is evolving and changing a little bit. You know, we've seen, you know, running backs have taken that back seat. although I feel like that running back position may come back around here very, very soon as well because the wide receiver position has exploded. The tight ends have kind of backed away a little bit, but I feel like you're going to see tight ends maybe cycle around at some point here in the near future as well. You're just seeing – that evolution of the game. And right now it's still slated at the quarterback and now the wide receiver position. Who's to say it's going to be something completely different in the next five years. It it very well could be. So uh, you got that. And really you're going to be able to see some of this uh, stuff here at the local level as well, because you got a division one team now locally here with, with moving into the D one the D one ranks. And I I had to shamelessly plug because I go there and I'm a, Part of the broadcasting group there and all that. Football tickets are on sale now. Okay. Go to lindawoodlions.com. Get some football tickets for this year. They got some great games. You're going to see SEMO up here. You're going to see Murray State here. You're going to see McKendry and William Jewell up here as well. Five home games, two-time GLVC champions, 2019-2021 Division II playoff participants. First year in the OVC. Linda Wood, a D1 school. Make sure you get your tickets.
1: Get out there to see the Murray State Racers, baby.
0: The last time, because uh, I believe they're switching from the OVC. So you're going to get a chance to see them, and then then they're out the door. But, uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun this year, and uh, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up as far as uh, the Lions are concerned. So D1 sports here locally. It's not just SLU now. As far as D1 schools, you've got Linda Wood. Make sure you get out there and see them, and get out there and see Slu as well. I mean, the basketball team's great. They've got great soccer programs as well. Baseball, so many great sports at the local level. Make sure you get out and see them because that's where that's where the next generation is coming from, and they need your support in order to get to the next level as well.
1: Yep, absolutely. And then you know you can also go halfway across the state and see some really good wide receiver play at Mizzou because. Mizzou's, Mizzou's got a couple pretty good ones coming in the, the next year. So uh, Luther Burden and uh, that group are going to be pretty impressive. And uh, we'll see uh, Mizzou hopefully start to uh, make their return to prominence in the SEC over the next couple of years.
0: Well, let's just put it this way. I hope we see the Mizzou claws before Texas and Oklahoma get back in here. So when they
1: do get here, we can beat them down. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. I think Mizzou, I think Mizzou is going to be a power. Uh, like I said, I this year is going to be kind of a rebuilding because you've got all these coming in. And next year I think you start to see the real the real rise. And then as they get to juniors in two years, I think you see them playing in an SEC championship game. I've thrown that prediction out there. I really believe that. I think they've got the talent coming in the next two years that when you get to that, what would that be? The twenty twenty four season, I guess. I think uh, Yeah, yeah. I think when you get to that 2024 season, I think you'll see them playing for an SEC championship. I really believe that. If it's still considered the SEC, we have
0: no idea. It could be a power conference that's that's <sighs> got some other weird name. It might be the the ACC SEC or something along those lines. Who knows where it's going to be in two years from now?
1: Yeah, the SEC is never going away. There, there's too many people down south that there there would be a riot. We'd have another – yeah, it, it, I'm not going to say what we'd have, but it, it would be another uh, big battle if the SEC went away as naming rights down there.
0: That's very, very true. All right, you got anything else before we head out of here tonight?
1: Oh, uh, man, just uh, everybody get ready for some craziness in baseball in the next couple of days as far as trade rumors. Get ready for the Cardinals to come home. Pay attention to Juan Soto this weekend. The uh, next future Cardinals superstar is he. He plays against the Cardinals and hopefully we can sweep Washington. They need to sweep Washington this weekend. And, uh, other than that, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, I do have one thing. Uh, it is official. I know I drove everybody crazy in the fall last year, talking about real men wear pink and the, uh, and the cancer society's uh, breast cancer awareness. But I am officially going to be an ambassador again. And, and I gave them your information. So you may be getting a phone call here in the next few days as well. But, uh, I am definitely signed up and going to start uh, pushing that. So everybody get ready for me to start bugging you to give money to a really great, a really great organization that does a lot of really, really good work in the American cancer society and the, and the breast cancer awareness and all of the, everything that they do is just amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. And if we get to both be a part of it, that's
0: great. And if not, at least we got one person that's really pushing it and uh, we will definitely put out as much uh information on on that as possible. I mean, I got a brand new suit. I mean I gotta wear it somewhere. So, you know, you might go. as well become an ambassador and raise some money for some for, for a good cause as well. Throw that suit on, you can go down next month with me and do the photo shoot. Ooh, I don't know if anybody really wants photos of me. It's it's hard enough to watch me on screen right now, right? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. So you'll have all that information here in the coming weeks. So make sure you take uh, a look at that when we get it out there. Like, like Scott said, keep your ears to the ground on the Juan Soto thing. When we hear something, we will push it out there to let you know what we know and what we hear. And the Cardinals are back in town next week. so. You'll be able to uh, catch a. We'll probably have at least one show next week, if not two. We'll see how things work out. Uh, obviously, trade deadline on Tuesday is going to be a big, big deal. So, just kind of keep a track of all your socials and follow us at the Toasted Tavern Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Find out what we know when we know it, and uh, and interact with us as well. Like we said, thirty-seven, almost thirty-seven hundred votes on our on our poll reached well over. 10,000 people on that as well. And and we want to interact with you guys. So make sure you continue to interact with us and we'll, we'll talk. That's all. That's all we want to do. We want to talk sports. That's what we want to do for a living. So we want to talk sports with you. So thank you guys for joining us tonight for Scott. I am lags. Uh, stay cool out there. Stay safe. Enjoy the, uh, the weather this weekend, enjoy the Cardinals games against Washington. And hopefully next Tuesday, Juan Soto will be making his debut as a Cardinal against the Cubs until next time. Have a great weekend. Hey, it's you, man, here from Casey. For all your sports news, catch the Toasted Tavern with Scott Tobin and The Man Called Wags weeknights at 9 p.m. You can follow Toasted Tavern on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's get toasted.